Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews. We did it, we did it together, and uh, it's just so exciting for me to just be a part of this with them, with all the 11 other players. It's truly an experience that I will cherish forever. Taking you beyond the ropes. Whatever you think is possible for you, or, or even what's not possible, you know, beyond your wildest dreams, go for it. You know, just go for it and think big and believe in yourself and don't let anyone tell you that you can't do anything. Unforgettable stories. He's hit some putts with it, so he gets his phone out and he just takes a picture of the grip and down the putter and doesn't say anything and he just pings it to Tiger. And of course, Tiger pinged him right back like, what in the hell are you doing with my putter? Do not touch that putter. <laughs> a bridge to the past. Years and years from now, Mr. Palmer, what do you want the legacy of Arnold Palmer to be? Well, uh, I suppose just that I have made a contribution to the game to help make it a little better. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. Yeah, I mean, you just had to hang in there. You know, no one was playing good golf today, it seemed like. Uh, the conditions got a lot easier at the end there, but uh, yeah, just, just hung in there and um, what do you know? You've had a lot of top tens, a lot of top fives. You did get a PGA Tour victory. It was a team event, the Zurich Classic with Jonas Blix. But now to be an individual winner on the PGA Tour, how impactful is that to you emotionally? Yeah, that's that's uh, been one that I've wanted to tick off for a long time. Um, you know, I've been out here four or five years now, and uh, to finally say that I, you know, I've won an event by myself uh, is is quite good. And it's been a, a troublesome yet rewarding week for you and your fellow Aussies in the field. You guys donating funds for birdies and for eagles to those who are victims of the brush fires in Australia. If you could send a message to them, an inspiring message to them, what would it be here? I don't know. Uh, you know, it's it's been an Aussie's week. I think uh, Wade won this morning over in Asia. Um, you know, me win, winning here, I, I hope that just brings a little bit of joy to, you know, some people that are going through some tough times. Another week, another playoff on the PGA Tour. Cameron Smith winning in a playoff. It was it was pretty dramatic, too. You heard him talking to Todd Lewis. That was courtesy of Golf Channel. And he was talking about what he had to do in regulation, which was birdie the 18th hole to work his way into a playoff. It was a playoff that he would win over Brendan Steele. Wheels came off for Brendan Steele, uh, especially on those last couple of holes, 71 in the final round for him against the 68 that Cameron Smith had to work his way into that playoff. Just one stroke out of it was Webb Simpson, who finished with a 67. Really wasn't a very nice day. Tough day for score. Remember, it's been so windy. Well, it was really wet yesterday. Graham McDowell had a great finishing score. Here are, here are scores that he finished uh, tied for fourth. 71, 69. 67, 64, trending in the right direction for sure on a golf course, again, that was playing very, very soggy. Ryan Palmer, another veteran campaigner, also finished in a tie for fourth. This leaderboard update is brought to you by the Streamsong Resort. Join us at the Wicked Epic Kega Bash 4 coming up early next month when the weather is at its peak of hideousness wherever you are. Just log on to StreamsongResort.com for more information on this beautiful place and StreamsongResort.com slash Matt Adams if you want to join us. Palmer finished on 9-under after three rounds in the final of the final three at 68, he opened with a 67 to finish on nine under par. That was two shots outside of that playoff. Also tied for fourth, he who declared that he would be redneck aggressive. Kevin Kistner finished a good 
Turnip rim, 69, 69, 64, 69, nine under par. He, too, just two shots back, and he finished in red numbers yesterday at one under par. I'll go deeper in the leaderboard and give you some more notables with that as well. First of all, to this, Dom put together the best out for Cameron Smith. It's a short one today for Cameron and gives us an opportunity to hear directly from the man that etched the victory before we check in with our PG Tour radio team on their response. First of all, best of. You can hear the full press conference on the Fairways of Life platform, but here's Cameron on his reaction. Um, I guess just sticking in there. Uh, didn't feel like I played uh, particularly well, but just you know did the you know made the putts that I had to make, and um, you know those up and downs to kind of keep the momentum going a little bit. I I, I, uh, I managed to get up and down, so um, it was it was a struggle all day though. The the conditions uh, wet and and a little bit windy this morning, so um, yeah, it was a challenge for sure. Can you talk a little bit about the the personal situation with your uncle Warren? Is it? Yeah. Um, Obviously, what he went through and how you brought him over, etc. Um, yeah, my, well, my uncle Warren is still at home. Um, at your house, right? Well, he, he was at my house um, probably only two or three days before uh, before we started the tournament. He was still there when I left. So, um, yeah, a bit of a, a tough time for Uncle was. Um, he went back down there on Monday or Tuesday. It's a bit of a long drive and. Um, you know, he, what he found was um, quite devastating. He sent us all the photos and, um, yeah, the only thing he had left really was a, was a little shed that um, him and his son built um, a few months back. So, yeah, pretty, um, you know, it's, we're, we're a tight-knit family and it's kind of hit everyone pretty hard. So um, it's good to, you know, do something good and hopefully everyone puts a smile on their face. When you're battling with Brendan all day and then especially when you're going to play off, did the President's Cup experience kind of, coming to play there? Um, yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, like I was saying before to Benny, um, I think, yeah, just, you know, having to make the putts, um, you know, feeling like something something else is on the line. I, I think I drew a little bit from the President's Cup. I felt as though I played, uh, you know, some of my best golf that week. Um, and, you know, with such little time between these events, I think that's kind of rolled, o- rolled over definitely into this week. And, um I just feel like I, I've got a. Um, I'm not necessarily hitting it, you know, super duper, but I'm getting the ball around and, and scoring really nicely. Just kind of talk about your thought process. Um, setting over that putt on 18. Um, well, I, I knew I had to hold it. <laughs> um, it was just uh, probably half a cup outside left, and um, I've putted really well all week. Um, you know, given the conditions, these windy conditions, that it does get tricky to putt those shorter putts. But um, yeah, I felt as though um, standing over the putt, I, I kind of already, I already hold it in my mind. If you know what I mean, it was it was already it was already in. So I just stepped over like I would any other putt and um, just try and hit the ball on where I thought it needed to start. You're sitting there on seven to, uh, sorry, on 18 for a long time. You had a long wait. I mean, what were you sort of going through there when there was 15, 16 minutes between your tee shot and your next shot? Um, yeah, I think it took us over half an hour to to play the last hole. Um, so there was a lot of spare time. Uh, we just, my caddy and I, tried to, you know, talk about 
other stuff as much as we could, and then once it was go time, we're we're in, and then um, and then you know over and over it seemed like we waited for more than ten minutes on every single shot there. So um, it was definitely an experience. Sure. And just quickly, this is a, a great step forward to potential Olympic goals. Can you talk to that? Yeah, um, you know, I've spoke to IBF about it. He's going to be the captain again this year, and um, I know he he's uh, egging for me, you know, to, to get to get on the team. Um, and you know, I'll be trying my best for sure. I, I definitely want to be there, and I want to wear that green and gold as much as I can. Cameron Smith, his best of press conference after winning the Sony. Now, Earl Forsey and Dennis Paulson hosted the PGA Tour radio coverage of the same. Eyewitness accounts to what took place throughout the course of the week and provide us with this update. Well, Matt, thanks. It was another windy, wet week in Hawaii, this time in Oahu. Very different scoring conditions, very unusual for Wildlife Country Club. For the Sony Open in Hawaii, Dennis Paulson, it was no longer the, well, it wasn't for a week, the shootout we all expect. It was tough, tough conditions and tough on the leader late Sunday. Brendan Steele looked like he had the tournament won. Lost the lead at the end and loses in a playoff to young Aussie Cameron Smith. Yeah, it just kind of caught up with, uh, kind of snuck up, I guess is the best way to put it for Cameron. It was a tough day out there, and I remember it, you know, when I was trying to win in L.A. way back in the day. Ended up getting in that playoff with six guys. It was so tough, and you're dealing with an umbrella and everything else, and you're just thinking about the next shot, trying to be there for your caddy, your caddy trying to be there for you, and all of a sudden you're in a playoff. You don't really think about anything trying to win a golf tournament or anything like that. And, you know, the, the interview with Cam, he, you could kind of tell. It's like it was he was kind of shocked that he was actually on top when it was all said and done. Well, one thing, and we brought this up uh, during the coverage throughout the week because Brendan Steele was making everything and then didn't on Sunday – he was the leader most of the week in strokes game punting. By the end, it was Cameron Smith. And how important, even with the conditions and the rain, everything else, some things remain the same. Putting well at Wileye means a lot. Cameron Smith led the way, and he ended up making enough on the weekend to catch and then finally win in the playoff. Yeah, and you, you use the strokes game putting stats for this tournament. Why? Because it usually takes 20 under par, and you got to make some putts. And this week, I'm going to say strokes game putting – helped guys not play their best golf to win the golf tournament. It allowed them to not play great golf to get the win this week for the simple fact that 11 under par on this golf course, I don't care what the weather's like, isn't really that hard to do out there. Um, A lot of guys couldn't do it. It was sloppy today, but the winds actually laid down a little bit late in the day, and no one made that move. Just a crazy week, just a, a lot of win and scoring. Even the players said they've never played and win like this. In anywhere, let alone at Wileye. And who'd have thought to start the week, even with all the weather we knew about it, Dennis, if I'd have told you 11 under was the winning score back on Thursday? I would have said, man, this is going to be an ugly four days, is what I would have said. And it was pretty much. And I don't mean ugly in the golf, just the weather. It played tough. The wind was up big time. Uh, I thought the, the most impressive day. I thought it was actually Saturday where the winds were up and the scoring average really went down. Um, you know, still was blowing 20 to 25 miles an hour. Really impressive how well they played late on Saturday to get to where they got to and to kind of separate themselves. And Brennan almost got it done, man, almost got it done, but it just didn't perform very well on the greens. So Cameron Smith for the second time in his career, winner on the PGA Tour, first time in an individual event. Of course, he had the team win 2017 with Jonas Blixt at the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. The 
Aussie gets it done, and after two wet, windy weeks in Hawaii, the good news is we're expecting a lot of sunshine in the desert of California this week as we will be at it again back in the in the state of California, La Quinta, California, next week, Matt, for the American Express. Cannot wait, gents. Thank you very much for that. Earl Forsey and Dennis Paulson. You can hear PGA Tour Radio starting on Thursday on PGATour.com on the PGA Tour apps. It's free on both of those sites and networks all over the world for those of you listening to us from the same. And you can also hear them in North America on Sirius XM. Now, he spoke about Brandon Steele, who told the world that he had worked so hard on his putting and it carried him through with a three-shot lead coming into that final round. But as he told PGA Tour Radio's Fred Albers, everything that could go wrong kind of did in that final round. Yeah, basically, um, you know, I was battling as hard as I could through the rain and through all the elements and stuff and um, just couldn't get any putts to go in and, and didn't make a good swing on 18 at the right time. So um, it's tough. Yeah, the, the number into the into the 10th in the playoff, you just went for it because Cameron was so tight in there? Um, you know, I think this, this shot's been playing so long all week that I just had it uh, a little different in my head than it was actually playing right now. This is by far the calmest we've seen it. So um, I was thinking anything that I landed on a normal type shot was going to spin all the way back down, and I thought that was my chance to make a three. So um, I hit a really good shot, but uh, it was just obviously not the right one. I know it'll take a while, but you'll find some positives out of this. It's a big step forward for you after a disappointing year last season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I've uh, battled with a lot of things over the last uh, year and a half with the game, and um, this is really going to help me to, to battle forward and to keep doing what I'm doing. So I think I'm going to get a lot of confidence out of it. That was Brett Steele speaking with PGA Tour Radio's Fred Albers. The 11 under par, the total aggregate was 269. That's the highest winning score in the event since Vijay Singh won with the exact same score all the way back at 2005. Brendan Steele's runner-up finish, it comes in his second start at the Wildlife Country Club, his first since missing the cut back in 2011. That runner-up finish also it marks his first top 10 finish in an individual stroke play event. Since February of 2018, remember, there had been 38 events coming in that he had not had a top 10. So I think there is a lot of positives that he can pull from what just happened. It's the third consecutive event on tour to feature a playoff this season. I'm kind of wondering if that's, is that the new normal? Kind of get used to that because this is the direction that we're going because of the parody. I have some more tidbits along this line. BenHoganGolf.com, if you log on there, you can see just how and why they are making such an incredible inroad into the industry right now. And I know you guys are starting to think about new equipment, and it's appropriate. If you log on to BenHoganGolf.com, you'll have the time that you want, the time that you need, both with the videos that we put together to educate you on what might be best for your particular game or peruse on your own. The PTX Pro Irons are flat gorgeous, beautiful, and in multiple finishes and packed with technology. Imagine a forged blade. That's perimeter-weighted, hollow-cavity design that features tungsten that's specifically placed, surgically placed, so that it benefits your game. Hot face, all the time. Just check it out when you get a chance. And if you want to trade in the clubs that you have at some point, if you want to finance the clubs that you have to keep it kind of on the the whole thing low-key, you can do it. BenHoganGolf.com if you get an opportunity to check that out. Uh, Webb Simpson's third-place finish follows a playoff loss in his last start. That was at the 2019 RSM Classic. Uh, Webb Simpson did speak with our Mark Carnavale. This is courtesy of PGA Tour Radio. And Carney asked him, you know, did you think that 11 under 
was going to be the number, did you think that where you were at 10 under was going to be enough? No, I thought it was going to take lower than that. Um, you know, I played solid today, gave myself chances, but um, just couldn't really get it close to the hole coming in. And that was probably, you know, it's probably going to end up being the difference. Obviously the difference, they kind of rained all day long, which made, which complicated things. Yeah, it was tough. Um, wind blew less today, but the rain, like you said, made it harder. And, um, you know, the greens were even softer today in Spinier. So, um, yeah, it was hard to get it really close to the hole and have good looks for birdie. Yeah, that's what Cameron Smith did, though, at the 18th hole in regulation. That 72nd hole birdie was from 8 feet 7 inches, and that's what moved him to 11 under par and forced the sudden death playoff with Brendan Steele. On that first extra hole, that was the par 4 10th. Ultimately, par was enough. It was kind of a shame because Brendan Steele was 87 yards out. Hit a beautiful drive. Just split it. And if you remember, Smith was over on the right, It looked like there might be trouble over there, but ultimately he had a line. And he found the green, and, you know, it wasn't, I'd say, that putt, 12 feet, I'm guessing. Maybe a little bit more than that. But the one in regulation was 8 feet 7 inches, and it was a beautiful putt. In fact, we have this quote from him where he was asked about the putt in his preparation and what he was thinking here is how the victor answered that well i, I knew i had to hold it <laughs> i've putted really well all week um, standing over the putt i i kind of already i already hold it in my mind if you know what i mean it was it was already in so i just stepped over like i would any other putt and just try and hit the ball on where i thought it needed to start all right so cameron smith saw it in his mind that visualization the power of the same. The victory comes in his 116th career start on tour at the age of 26 years, four months, in 25 days. He got 500 FedEx Cup points. He moves from 40th in FedEx Cup points to 5th in the standings. He earned a two-year exemption on the PGA Tour, which will take him through the 2021-2022 season. And it marks his first individual stroke play victory, having won the 2017 Zurich Classic of New Orleans with Jonas Blixt. Also via sudden death, too, when you, when you remember that one. 2020 Sony Open in Hawaii marks his second career playoff on tour. As a result, it was his fifth consecutive start in the Sony Open in Hawaii. And up until that point, he had one top 20. It's his sixth start of this wraparound season. A tie for third at the CJ Cup at Nine Bridges was his best showing before this week. Remember, he did win the Australian PGA. And he was a member of that President's Cup international squad as well. Kind of thrust himself into the news because he was asked about what he saw with Patrick Reed. And he basically said he thought it was cheating. And so that caused some kind of flare up. And then Patrick Reed said, well, that makes it personal and all the rest. And and I, I think he finished, if I'm not mistaken, was it 0-3-1? I, I believe his President's Cup record. That's off the top of my head. I'm not. I'm not sure. I have to check that to, just to make sure. Tom said he could. He's going to look that up now. For Brendan Steele, great story. I uh, became a dad this last year. You know, when you talk about the 38 events where he failed to have a top 10, well, he he became a new father. He was work. He was grinding like crazy on his game in the off season. One one and one. Tom just told me was his record in the uh, President's Cup. It's better than what I gave him credit for. He beat Justin Thomas in singles? Sure did. All right. Two and one. I remember that.
Doing one. There you go. All right, so for Brendan Steele, the runner-up finishing moves him from 150th in FedEx Cup points to 29th. As I mentioned, he only had that one other start at, at the Sony that was back in 2011. The runner-up finish does mark his first top 10 showing on tour since all the way back to early last calendar year. 2018 calendar year, mind you, I should say. Tied for third at the Waste Management Phoenix Open then. That was actually his first, for a guy that's 36 years old, his first playoff on the PGA Tour. Two eagles, four birdies, two pars. Played the two par fives in the ninth and the 18th and eight under for the week. Jeez, that's something. He owned those two holes right up until he had to. So that's a quick little look at what's going on with all of that. It was entertaining, I'll tell you that. I'm sure I'm sure it kept a lot of people, including me. I know Dom said the same thing because he sent me a text. He was like, did you stay up to watch all that? I was like, yeah. It was, it, at times, it was a little bit of a car wreck. So nestled among the rolling hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Very proud of our association with the French Lick Resort. FrenchLick.com if you want to check out how and why this place is so special. Why? Multiple golf courses, including a Pete Dye golf course. We're going to talk more about Pete coming back in the next segment. But it's also got a Donald Ross golf course that, to me, it might be my favorite Donald Ross golf course in the USA. It's that good. Casino on site, two beautiful, luxurious, historic hotels, and for very different reasons, too, which makes it all the more cool. Bowling alley down below. It, we're, we're definitely going to do a, a listener's trip there. Definitely. We just have to figure out when and what the theme of this particular one is going to be, but we're doing something. FrenchLick.com for more information on just how and why this place is so special and how you should make it a part of your life, whether with us or doing it on your own, bringing your family there, meeting friends there, or whatever it is. And when we come back, as I mentioned, speaking about Pete Dye, who designed one of the most incredible golf courses you'll ever see at the French Lick Resort. Just go on and do Pete Dye, French Lick, and see the photos that come up of the golf course that he built there. Tell me if you're not amazed. If you've not seen this, because it's so high up, you can see the world from up on top of that place. I mean, just one little feature that he put in with these bunkers that were up on the right, and I remember they were telling us that the the shaper got it backwards somehow. Whoever was building them got it backwards. So instead of a bunker that goes down into the ground and it's a bunker, it comes up like little volcanoes. I've never seen anything like that before. Frenchlick.com for more. Anyway, so we're going to talk about Pete Dye when we come back to this because this past weekend on Morning Drive, uh, myself and Gary Williams, Jaime Diaz, we had an opportunity to speak with Gil Hans about his observations, right? He's probably the hottest golf course architect right now. Would that be fair? And we wanted to ask him about the influence of Pete Dye, where he fits in the puzzle. And he had some absolutely fascinating comments to that. We'll share them with you after this. My new book is called The Golf Round. I'll never forget 50 of golf's biggest stars recall their finest moments. Look, we're going into the holiday season. I hope this is the perfect gift for the person in your life that loves the history of the game. History like this, the 1978 Masters. Well, first of all, I'm seven shots behind Tom Watson. And my son says to me, he says, Dad, you're playing so well. If you putt well today, you can shoot 65 and win. But it's not easy to shoot 65 at Augusta. Anyway, I'm out in 34 with a bogey. 
and I come back in 30. I actually touched the hole three times, but thank goodness I didn't because I would have never been invited back to Augusta. The book is called The Golf Round I'll Never Forget. 50 of golf's biggest stars recall their finest moments. I hope you enjoy it. You can pick it up wherever fine books are sold, including barnesandnoble.com and amazon.com. FootJoy, the number one outbrand in golf, ensures that you can make every day playable with performance gear to handle any weather condition. All FootJoy products are designed to provide the best golfing experience regardless of the conditions. Every piece of FootJoy gear goes through years of testing and validation to ensure the ultimate in golf performance. Trust the brand that has been number one forever. Learn how you can make every day playable at FootJoy.com slash M-E-D-P. Boeing Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boeing Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boeing Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boinggolf.com and take in all the splendor that is a golf experience unlike any other. TheGolfTravelGroup.com is a luxury golf tour operator that specializes in custom travel itineraries to Scotland, Ireland, England, Wales, Iceland, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and more. Guaranteed advanced tee times, incredible accommodations, airport meet and greet services, private guided tours and private drivers, all in luxury vehicles, and they have a staff that's been doing it for ever thegolftravelgroup.com tick-borne diseases like Lyme disease which will have more than 7,000 new cases per week this season and biting bugs like mosquitoes that could be carrying West Nile virus or even Zika are threats to everyone but in particular to golfers stay safe with serious protection from ranger ready repellent I use it because it works it will not stain your clothes it doesn't contain toxic deep and it's available in multiple scents even an option for no scent at all. Whether you like boating, golf, gardening, hunting, whatever you do outdoors, protect yourself with Ranger Ready Repellent. For more information, go to rangerready.com. The U.S. Open, golf's most storied championship, returns to the iconic Winged Foot Golf Club. Next June, see firsthand the remarkable moments, the energy, the excitement of the 120th U.S. Open Championship. Don't miss your chance to be here next year, June 15th through the 21st, 2020. Tickets on sale now at usopen.com forward slash 2020. Nestled amongst the hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Home to two AAA, four diamond, nationally historic hotels, three challenging golf courses, two rejuvenating spas, an impressive meeting venue, and a Vegas-style casino, which is actually rated number four best casino outside of Las Vegas by Yahoo Travel. The resort is sure to exceed your expectations. Experience the ultimate in golf at the Pete Dye course at French Lick, voted number one course in Indiana on Golf Week's Best You Can Play for 10 years in a row. The Donald Ross course at French Lick has been named Indiana's number two course in Golf Week's Best You Can Play rankings every year since 2011. Voted Best Hotel in Indiana by Travel and Leisure magazine, French Lick Resort is family-friendly, business-competent, and perfect for a planned or impromptu getaway. 
Come experience old world opulence amid modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. Close to home. Easy drive from Louisville, Indianapolis, and Cincinnati, and those airports serve the entire country and world. Visit FrenchLick.com. What is going on, folks? Welcome back to the program on this Monday, the Fairways of Life show. Matt Adams here with you. Dominic Scrano is behind the glass. So a man that's been behind some of the most famous, most noteworthy or commentary-worthy, good, bad, or indifferent golf courses for what? Going back the early 1960s, Pete Dye died at 94 years old. His impact felt far and wide in the world of golf. So on Morning Drive this past weekend, Gil Hans joined myself and Gary and Jaime, and we tried to sort... His thoughts, our thoughts, about where Pete Dye fits. Pete Dye, architect personified. He's the guy that revolutionized golf course architecture. I think Pete Dye is easily the best modern-day architect. A purveyor of genius that I don't think that we've seen in some time. He has taken golf architecture to a level that very few have been able to do. He's created some of the best golf courses, some of the most controversial golf courses. Practically everything that he's done, I think, has been a great benefit to the game of golf. Pete Dye, at the age of 94, passes after living to say a full life uh, is, is a gross understatement. This is somebody who was successful not only in the career that the, that the majority of his life was spent in, but even very early on in life in the insurance industry. But, boy, uh, did he live life fully and his impact on the game immeasurable. Joining us now kindly on the phone is somebody who uh, is one of the leaders uh, in the industry that he helped shape and bring to present day, and that is Gil Hans. Gil, good morning. Good morning, Gary. You know, Gil, I, I've asked you uh, over the time that we've known each other about when you walk various golf courses globally, uh, the, the things that, that stand out, that stick out with when it comes to, you know, impact on, on design. If I asked you to pick one golf course that is most reflective of his mind, uh, and you used the word genius about him the other day, which golf course would you choose that he designed? Well, I think, you know, I think Casa de Campo is uh, the teeth of the dog golf course is probably his finest and, and maybe not the most well-recognized. Obviously, we see TPC Sawgrass every year and we see other golf courses hosting majors. But I think when you read what Pete wrote and you understand the way he practiced golf course architecture, it was a very sort of intimate experience for him, very personal. It was, you know, time spent on site, time spent moving, time spent thinking about golf course architecture. And my understanding is that the, the work done that down there was literally done by hand. And I think when you're given a, an oceanfront site and the opportunity to mold it and sculpt it into something truly special, I think that golf course, you know, he, it's, it's no mistake that he had a house, that he and Alice had a home there, uh, spent a lot of time there. So I think that's the golf course that when I look at it, I think, really typifies and says everything about Pete. Stylistically, he was able to make his very sort of sharp, uh, angular golf course fit so seamlessly with that sharp, angular coastline. And, and, and it's one of 
one of the finest examples of golf course architecture anywhere, and I think it's certainly emblematic of, of Pete and his work. You know, Gil, you use the word personal, and you have an affectionate term for, for your crew. They're, they're called the cavemen. Uh, you like to get on the dozer. His, his desire to touch the dirt, to, to, to really find it in the dirt, uh, was more than symbolic at the time that he started to become really, really important. Why was it more than symbolic at that time? Well, I think he, he's, it was a reaction to a lot of golf courses that were being built in that time frame. You know, it was basically the advent of, of heavy earth moving, and the golf courses were being built all over the place. And they were being done, I don't want to say cookie cutter, but more sort of manufactured. And Pete took it and said, listen, I'm going to spend time on every single job I do. I'm going to be in the dirt. I'm going to get involved in that whole process. And I would like to think, you know, a lot like what, what we believe, what Bill and Ben and, and Tom Doak believe is that's the fun part of the job. And I know Pete liked to have fun. He was, it was really a very interesting man, very interesting character, charming. Uh, a lot of people don't talk about his golf courses saying they're charming, but he as a man was a charming individual and, and, and kind of had a little bit of uh, an interesting side. You know, he, he was a little bit of a devil. Um, he liked to have fun. He liked to have, and I think part of that banter of being out in the dirt with the guys, I mean, when you think about the, the people that he mentored and, and the quality of golf course architects that came from him, I, I don't think it's any accident. That, that from that standpoint, that they were all involved. They all actually got to spend time with Pete. They got to hear him, listen to him, talk to him, see what he was thinking. And that's that's difficult to do from an office. You know, if, if ever somebody's building a golf course in some place in the United States and the office is in you know, Florida, and you don't actually get to see, talk to, listen, learn from that golf architect, I think that was one of the great things that Pete passed on to you know, the likes of, of Tom Doak, the likes of Bill Coor, Bobby Weed, Tim Liddy, and obviously uh, Perry Dye and PB Dye, his two sons, they actually got to know Pete and understand his philosophy and the way he practiced. And I, I think that's something that can't be discounted. And even from a, an architecture standpoint, Jack Nicholas in that mm. regard as well. True. Uh, Gil, it's, uh, it's Matty. Uh, the, the last time I spoke with Pete, he had an interesting quote that I'd like to ask you to react to where he said to me, I'm not a golf course architect, I'm a golf course builder, quote, end quote. What do you think he meant by that? Well, if if I've said this once, I've said it a million times, you know, having worked for Tom Doak, um, he has basically, Tom Doak said, Pete always told him, you need to, in order to design a golf course, you need to know how to build a golf course. And so I think Pete looked at it from the standpoint of so much of what happens in the design happens in the field. And that's almost always tied to practical considerations that come up in the dirt. You know, we thought this was going to go this way, but actually it doesn't drain properly. So we're going to turn and move this hole this way. Or the wind is coming from this direction. Any sort of factors that can happen, and those only can be observed and, and taken advantage of in the field. So I think that Pete's, his belief was that you can't, design a golf course outside of the site you have to design it in the dirt and if you're designing in the dirt you're building it and he probably looked at that as a badge of honor to be one of the one of the guys out there building as opposed to you know us fancy architects who show up in our in the range rovers with our loafers on and you know, kind of roll around and, and point so i think pete really he probably didn't want any of that he wanted to be a builder you know, Gil, you spoke about Pete as though he was a head coach and he's had multiple assistants that have ascended to head coaching jobs themselves. 
in terms of the golf courses that he has built because they stand as a lasting legacy to his life on top of everything else. What do you think and how could you define the legacy of Pete Dye? Um, you know, I, I keep hearing people say he was the best modern day architect. Uh, take modern day out. He was one of the best architects ever to practice. And I think that, you know, a lot of people talk about the way he revolutionized, changed golf architecture, went away from some of these bigger landscapes, more earth, earth moving type exercises. But Pete, he constantly adapted. He changed. He he moved through. I mean, his entire career is, I mean, when you look at, especially the length of it, it's staggering to think, you know, he created quality golf courses early in his career. You know, the golf club in Columbus, Ohio, Crooked Stick, et cetera. And he was creating fantastic golf courses all the way till the end of his career. I mean, it's it's amazing. And those they changed, they evolved. They, you know, the, he he understood the technology and the way the game changed. He understood how to get into golf pros' heads, unlike any other golf course architect. So I think his legacy will be one, you know, as you said, it will continue to to come forward through all the people he mentored. But I'd like for us all to just kind of step back and say he is one of the greatest golf architects of all time, not just of modern golf. Hi, Gil. This is Jaime. Uh, you know, you spoke about his influence, and, and, and Pete's influence was so broad and so wide and so deep and, and important. Uh, I wonder, though, you know, the style of his golf courses, the angularity, as you said, uh, the penal quality of a lot of them, sort of the busyness of, of all the features on the golf course. Do you think the pendulum swung away uh, necessarily, in a way, towards minimalism, which you practice to some extent, and certainly Corin Crenshaw and, and so many others, and we see it in the modern developments here in the United States at, at Bandon Dunes and Sand Hills and all these places. Uh, was that sort of an adjustment away from Pete as, as Pete adjusted from others? Not that there was anything wrong with Pete, but simply the pendulum swinging in a different direction. I agree with that, but I think the one thing that, that ties the thread between all of those is Pete was a brilliant strategist. Now, whether you like the presentation of his golf courses, the railroad ties, the angularity, which in some ways I think reflects, you know, obviously to his time in Scotland, but also to his love of C.B. McDonald and Seth Rayner and the way they presented their golf courses. But when you look at work that's done by, you know, two of his greatest protégés, Bill Coor and, and, and Tom Doak, you know, they're obviously at the forefront of minimalism. Their presentation of the golf of course, is very different from Pete's. But if you look at the common thread that binds it all together is they are so strong strategically. And Pete was a genius. He was obviously an accomplished golfer in his own right. But he was a genius at understanding how you set up a golf course, how you vary strategy from hole to hole and the way that, that that's set up and the, the ability for actually the setup of the golf course, the changing of hole locations, et cetera, et cetera, could vary the play of that, that particular golf hole on any given day. That's something that I think is a common thread that, that Pete really almost tied back to the golden age golf architects. Mm -hmm. You know, there was, there was a time where there was a reaction to, you know, the sort of in the fifties and sixties, the golden age guys weren't, dead for all that long and there wasn't as much respect or reverence for their work and pete through his study in scotland and his love of donald ross and pinehurst he really looked back to those golf courses, even though his courses didn't look like theirs they he, they played like theirs because they were keyed in on strategy and angles and i think you know if, if there's a legacy for all of us modern golf architects is to be thankful to pete brought strategy back to the forefront of golf architecture you know, Gil's strategy should be dictated by, by skill levels. So with that, 
Do, do you think he had a greater impact on professional golf or recreational golf? I think probably a greater impact on professional golf because most of us, you know, retail golfers or average golfers, recreational golfers all sort of look to see what's on TV and what's sort of befuddling or bedeviling the golf pros. And as a result, rightly or wrongly, there tends to be a, a stamp of approval or, or quality attached to that. And so I think when, when we saw what Pete's golf courses were doing, especially in the eighties with the, you know, the stadium courses and TPC Sawgrass, I think then all of a sudden there was this reaction, well, that must be good. And, and as a result, people started, even though they had a difficult time playing his golf courses, there was somewhat of a badge of honor of surviving a Pete Dye golf course for the recreational golfer. And I think from that standpoint, that's maybe something that's faded away a little bit. Uh, you know, I think now there's more of an emphasis on fun and, and allowing golfers to you know, have a little bit wider corridors and, and, and enjoy a little bit more success. So as a result, I think it's probably a little bit more his impacts are probably a little bit stronger on, on the professional game. Courtesy of Golf Channel from this weekend's Morning Drive, talking about Pete Dye and brilliant comments from Gil Hans. Tour Edge offers the very latest in technology at an affordable price for every level of golfer. The new EXS line features state-of-the-art game-enhancing innovations that vastly improve upon their wildly successful and award-winning Exotics EXS line. The new EXS driver has superior adjustability, dual carbon tech, and variable face thickness for optimal forgiveness. Their new EXS irons have a forged cup face which is extremely thin and light but crazy strong a hollow body cavity and extreme toe waning all exotics and hot launch clubs are hand built in the united states in illinois just outside of chicago and distributed around the world every tour edge club comes with a get this lifetime warranty and a 30-day play guarantee and if you want a custom built which you should you'll have it in 48 hours. Just go to touredge.com for more information. Back with more after this. Hey, my new book is called The Golf Round I'll Never Forget. 50 of golf's biggest stars recall their finest moments. Moments like this. The 1973 U.S. Open. Here's Johnny Miller. He got a letter also on Saturday morning and said, you're going to win the U.S. Open from some guy in Iowa. And I never got a letter that that's all it was. They didn't sign it, nothing. It was just from Iowa, you're going to win the U.S. Open. So it was sort of an interesting experience that led up to that uh, winning that Open. Uh, and, and the round itself was sort of out of nowhere because it just was a, a perfect round of golf. I mean, it literally was a perfect round of golf. The book is called The Golf Round I'll Never Forget. 50 of golf's biggest stars recall their finest moments. I hope you enjoy it. You can pick it up wherever fine books are sold, including barnesandnoble.com and amazon.com. It's time for you to discover Streamsong, a new kind of resort that takes the everyday ordinary to the absolutely extraordinary. Three internationally acclaimed link-style courses by golf architecture's iconic foursome of Gil Hans, Tom Dope, Bill Kaur, and Ben Crenshaw that provide a golf experience distinguished as unlike any you've ever had before, with undulating fairways navigating through wild grasses and deep water ponds and lakes, towering sand dunes to find the unexpected experience of playing golf at Streamsong, the ultimate legendary golf destination set apart by the unexpected. Streamsongresort.com FootJoy, the number one outer brand in golf, ensures that you can make everyday playable with rain jackets for all weather conditions. New to the FJ Performance Outwear lineup this year is the all-new DryJoy Select LS, the lightest, most waterproof garment FJ has ever produced, setting a new standard in rainwear. Amazingly, it's actually lighter than a golf shirt, but still fully waterproof. 
You can shop now at footjoy.com slash M-E-D-P. BenHoganGolf.com is where you can go to see the beautiful product that's being produced right now, bearing the name of the legend. You know, when he founded the original company in 1953, Ben Hogan said he did it, quote, to design and manufacture the best golf clubs in the world, end quote, and that is exactly what their mantra is today, only it's going directly to you, not through retail stores, so they're saving that 40%, 50% retail markup. You can get the best, and you can get it directly from their master craftsmen. Log on to BenHoganGolf.com now. If you're a golfer or enjoy activities outside, you are at risk. The risk of Lyme disease and other illnesses are a national threat. Add in insect-borne illnesses like West Nile and Zika. Ranger Ready is insect repellent that's serious protection with premium wearable scents and clean, non-greasy formula. Ranger Ready is the best insect repellent available, period. Safe, 12-hour protection, nothing comes close. Log on to rangerready.com for more information. What's your bucket list destination? Where have you always wanted to go? What's the number one thing that holds people back from doing that? It's fear of logistics. I don't know where to stay. I don't know how to get tea times. I don't know where to go. I don't know who should take me there. Well, I'll tell you who knows the answer to all those questions. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. That's why the Fairways of Life show has aligned ourselves with these experts. And is there some place you want to go, like the Open or a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup? They can take care of that as well. What is your golf bucket list? Where do you want to go? Do it with TheGolfTravelGroup.com. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show on this Monday. Hope you guys are doing well. You know, as I was doing that live read for Tour Edge before we went to break, it was getting me thinking and excited about the PGA Merchandise Show, which is coming up in just a couple of weeks here in Orlando. And as you know, when I was at the PGA Tour Superstore Training Summit last week, I had a chance to see pretty much it all. And it's interesting because... In terms of buzz that I heard, obviously the sim driver from TaylorMade had great buzz. These are these are people that are working professionally in the industry selling equipment, hundreds of them. So the sim driver definitely caused a lot of buzz and attention. The Maverick driver from Callaway did as well. I think the Maverick iron is beautiful. I only saw one. They have three different models of Maverick, and I saw one of them. Really pretty, really well done. Uh, different than the Apex that, that Dom has and the Apex that, that I got, which which are beautiful clubs, but they look like they're meant to be a golf club. It's a, it's a tool to get a ball and hit it far and hit it close. You know, it's one of those type deals. Whereas the Maverick that I saw last week was a jewel. It was a beautiful club. And they told me there's all kinds of technology underneath. We talked about where they where they place the microspheres, uh, which I'm learning more about that material and just how incredibly strong it is, about where they place tungsten inside, but all that jazz. Uh, Ping is always solid. Their stuff's always good looking and always solid, but I didn't I didn't see anything that was like uh, new for 2020 that was out of this world better than what we had because they're one of these type companies that's like, if what we have is the best that there is, we're not going to rush something new out just because the calendar year changed. That's not how they think. It's kind of the same way with Titleist, but Titleist had a bunch of new stuff. They did a new AVX ball, which I thought was interesting because they only came out with that ball last spring. Or was it spring of 18, Dom? Do you remember the AVX? I do not remember, um, but I for some reason I feel like it was this past spring. Well, they came out with a new one for 2020, so it's 
it's an AVX that's supposed to f- feel a little bit better and get a little bit more reaction between core and cover. Because, again, with golf balls, what happens with golf balls is one layer works both in contrast and in union with the others. I know that sounds complicated to you, but I'll give you an example. It's like if you ever – a golf ball's rubber. And rubber compounds, if you if you take a rubber ball and you slam it against the wall as hard as you as you can, that ball is going to compress when it hits a hard wall. But the ball what what happens is the ball ricochets off the wall because that's the velocity, that's the physics. It wants to return to its original form. So what they're doing with golf ball designs is they want to have a core that is soft enough that you can compress it with the violent interaction between driver and golf ball, right? But the physics are that that core will rock it back to its original form after deformity. So what they do with the different layers, for example, like TaylorMade's TP5 and TP5X is five layers. And more than one of those layers, in contrast to that core, are hard. And it's usually the harder layers are out by the cover. And the reason why they do that is you're still going to compress it with the, with because that core is so soft, you're still going to compress that mantle layer, as it's called. But what happens is, is when you're hitting clubs that are not going to compress the ball as much, say with a high lofted wedge around the green, then when you have a cover, say urethane cover, you know, a softer cover, that hard mantle layer that's just under the urethane will push that soft rubber into the grooves of your club as it climbs up the club face, and that's going to create spin. So you have that kind of, that's the, you got control around the green, but so that's the reason why when all golf ball manufacturers, all of them, are seeking the elusive, go far, control around the green. And generally... You've had a trade-off one from the other. I'm told that there is revolutionary technology coming in this year that's going to alter that path. It was it was told to me by Bridgestone that they have a new cover technology that it, they think is going to be as dramatic as moving from Bellata to a not wound core, solid core urethane. And that did have a dramatic impact on the game, particularly with distance and yet still the players were able to control it. Uh, that's a huge statement. But that's the statement that they made to me. That this this change is coming. So anyway, that, that'll be incredibly interesting to see how that plays itself out in 2020. The colors are still a big story for golf balls in 2020. There's, Isn't the physics that you're about talking that. about one of the reasons why getting fit is so important? Because the manu- all the manufacturers pretty much now will make various levels of golf balls. And in many cases, depending on how fast you swing your golf club, you actually want not to have a tour golf ball because you'll actually get further distance from it, right? Yes, and that comes down to the, the core. It's funny it, – it, it, what you just touched on is the complexity of golf marketing where the manufacturers know that you watch Dustin Johnson or Rory McIlroy or whoever your favorite is, Tiger Woods, whoever it is, and they hit an incredible shot or particularly with the first two really long shots, and you go, oh, I want to find out what he's playing. Driver, I want to hit his golf ball. I'll tell you about it in a second. Tourism Ireland is officially on board with the Fairways of Life show in 2020. I could not be more proud 
then through hosting the Fairways of Life show, I am an ambassador for Ireland and talking about its virtues. And its virtues go so deep. You guys already know my conviction that the Lynx golf courses in Ireland are better than the Lynx golf courses any place else in the world. But it's about more than just the golf. It's about there's the, the Irish word for fun is crack. C-R-A-I-C with a little apostrophe. And the reason why is is that everything that happens away from the golf contributes that happens with what you do with a golf club in your hand as well. You can rediscover yourself. You may, you may find elements of yourself you've never known before. That's the kind of place that Ireland is. I always tell people when they're thinking about trips to Ireland and they, they consult with me on what should I do here, what should I do there, and I say, just remember to let Ireland come to you because it will. Just keep your hearts and minds open. Just go to Ireland.com for more. So what I was talking about with the dry, with the with the ball, and say I'm going to use a driver as an example here, is that if you have a high enough club head speed, and it's generally over 110 miles per hour, then you're going to be able to compress the harder core, and as a result, get the dynamic performance that will maximize the technology in the golf ball. The reality is. A very small percentage of players have that kind of speed. Therefore, the best way to play is with a ball that has a softer core compression so that you can compress that golf ball and then kick in the technologies there. And for those who say, well, won't that mean I won't hit it as far as Rory or DJ? Yeah, it probably will. But the reality is it's not because of the golf ball that's keeping you from hitting as far as DJ and Rory. It's your golf swing and their golf swing. You know what I'm saying? Does that answer the question, Dom, kind of? Well, I just think it's interesting because I think a lot of this comes down to – I think you're right. On uh, on one level, it's marketing. Complicated, very complicated marketing (laughs) because – I think, as you mentioned, you entice people by showing Rory hitting the ball a thousand miles, and you and you entice someone who's a golfer watching that, going, "Oh man, I want to do that," and that's how you get them in the door. But the reality is, the driver and the golf ball that that Rory's using, you really shouldn't be using. And when I say you, I mean ninety nine point nine percent of us should not be using those clubs. It's a bad idea. It'll make you worse. <laughs> so yeah. it's just it's complicated, and it's it's. I think it's hard because a lot of it is ego, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to look a consumer in the face and be like, listen, you're much worse than this professional golfer, so you actually need this product. I'm like, what are you talking well, about? I'm, yeah. I'm the part, greatest part person of it, ever. <laughs> I can yeah, play well, part, I want. part of it, that, that does happen that people buy, you know, very expensive premium golf balls because, you know, they're going to play the best. Well, that's not necessarily the best for you. So, yeah, it, it does get complicated, but adding to that complication are the companies themselves, in fairness, where every you, you walk into a, a golf shop and you're facing a wall of golf balls, and everyone you pick up says it is the longest golf ball ever made, it's as soft as a marshmallow, and it has a nuclear titanium reactor core. There's, there's you know... A dark hole in the middle of this this golf ball. That's that's how powerful it is. Yeah. So you're looking at it and you go, well, how am I supposed to figure out which golf ball is truly for me? There are ways you can do it now. There's far more fittings of golf balls than there ever was before, and I think that's important. 
So it's not just about getting your money as fast as they possibly can and running down the street. But it's also a so, positive, anyway. though, isn't it? Right, right, man. Oh, yeah. Because it's, because yeah. you tell me, I don't know. Yes. I wasn't playing golf twenty five years ago, but I would imagine there were very few options, and now there's options that will truly help all of us have more fun and play better. Versus twenty five years ago or thirty years ago, when the options were limited, I don't know how many how many iterations. Yeah, of golf I wouldn't. Ball I wouldn't put it made. that way. All I the, what I would say is that the options are much better now. There, there were a lot of two-piece golf balls 25 years ago. There was good golf balls 25 years ago, but there was a lot more junk that people were, were dressing up as, in, as new and as good. Uh, that, though, that, there's not as many as, of those in the marketplace anymore, and that's primarily because the buyers, the, the PGA professionals or wherever you, pick, you get your golf equipment are so good now, they're not picking up the cheap junk. You still can find it out there, depending on where you, where you shop. Uh, but they're not doing that. They're they're getting better stuff, and then we're getting better educated about what happens on the inside of the golf ball. I've I've been telling Titleist for a long time that I think their marketing is missing the spot. They have this new commercial that's airing that that you have all these tour players. You recognize every one of them, and they talk about how important consistency is. And I've talked to a few golfers, or friends of mine, and I said, "Do you know what they're talking about?" They're like, "Well, they're talking about." You know, consistency, playing more consistent, being more consistent because of the, the ball you're using. I said what they're talking about is the quality on the interior of the golf ball, that when you get, say, a Pro V1 or a Pro V1X, the consistency of the quality of manufacturing is identical from one ball to the next. And that's within a tiny realm of tolerance. And if it doesn't meet it for whatever reason, in some manufacturing snafu, it gets rejected. And I can tell you that there are competitors and some big competitors, some major name companies that do not have those safeguards. So when you have multiple layers of rubbering compound coming together in a union, if you do not have consistency, then you will have variance and sometimes vast variance in performance. It just so happens because golf is a human game of human swinging a club, a stick at a ball, that when something squirrely happens, they assume it was them. And more often than not, it is. But not always. But that's the part that nobody knows. So I've been saying to them for some time, I said, if you guys could actually explain to the world how your consistency of quality has a direct impact on the quality of golf and shots that, that players play and hit, then people would understand why the ball that's number one is number one in every category, including price. I'm not sure if I've, if I've gotten through to them on that yet. I mean, when I, when I, cause I, I'm dealing with all these equipment companies all the time and, and what I do, and I'm honest with all of them. I'm the same way with True Temper. I am a huge fan of what True Temper does. But when I was in True Temper's factory this past summer, right after the open, I'm looking at it going, you guys are saying every wedge should have a steel shaft and all the rest. Every iron should have a steel shaft. Unless you need graphite to generate speed, unless you need graphite because you're trying to soften impact so for an injury or wear and tear or whatever in your body, and there is that element, I'm not denying it, steel is far more consistent than graphite across the board. And what's more, it's 
hundreds of dollars, sometimes more, less than the graphite option. But what's happened is, is I think the steel manufacturers, not only true temper, but I think the steel manufacturers have conceded the ground so that when a person goes into a store, they see, you know, whatever iron that they tested, that they love, that they want, and they see it in steel shafts, let's say it's $1,200 for the set. And then graphite shafts are $2,000 or whatever, 2100 whatever it is. And they go, well, it's, it's more expensive. It's got to be better. No. So that's, that's another area where I look at the disconnect between the quality of the product, which is super. It, it goes back to what I was just saying to Dom in terms of golf balls right now are better than they've ever been across the board in the game. Just quality I'm talking about now. Better than they've ever been. Well, the steel shafts that True Tempers are making for every type of swing, whatever it is you need, you need a little more kick down the bottom to get the ball airborne in union with all the technology in the clubs. Whatever flex is right for you, and I'm not just talking about, you know, ladies, senior, regular, stiff. I'm talking about every variance, all the gray area between, all of it. They have something for every one of those consumers. That's the stuff that I'm talking about. And the importance of going in and getting fit. And I understand the complexity of that, too. We didn't have to deal with it as much when I was in the equipment side of the business. But it's always been important. Now it's, I think it's flat out critical. But I understand the challenge that you have if, if you're in a golf shop or you're at a PJ Tour Superstore or whatever it is. People want to come in. They want to use your resources, and that includes time, personnel, expertise, equipment, the wear and tear, all of it. They want to use all that. Get the data that you gave to them and then go shop around for the club at the best price. You know, it's hard to say, but it's not fair. I'm a believer of of an approach from from a retail approach that says we'll custom fit you. We'll get we'll do the custom fitting, but it's going to cost you X amount of dollars. But if you buy the set of clubs from us. You you get that credited back. And you, you break it down by, you know, like. Driver fitting is this price. Iron fitting is this price. Wedge fitting is this price. Putter fitting is this price. Ball fitting is this price. And whatever you buy in that category, all or part, that's the all or part that gets credited off your your charge. Because that's fair. Now, that's fair back and forth. You're utilizing someone's time and expertise, whether it's a custom club builder, whoever it is. You're utilizing their time and expertise. There, there has to be an element of fairness in there both ways. Plus, I'm hoping at that point you also establish a relationship much the same like you would with any other professional that looks after you that you can come back in and go, you know what? When I really rip after this thing, when the, when the swing is really on song, I'm losing it a little bit to the left, which is one of the problems I have with, with my equipment now. When I really hit the uh, what I think is a flush, perfect, on the center of the club face shot, I lose it. It's, it's going left. That means I've got too much torque in there so I, it's a trade-off right you got to try to find the the shaft in the combination that is somewhere in between that well what are you going to do you're going to you're going to hit it straighter if you get stiffer but you're going to hit it shorter so you got to make sure that swing is closer to the optimal swing more often for me if i don't want to have that lefty come in which i don't i'd rather i'd rather take an extra club and make sure i get to where i need to go than than to have that rear its head because 
not because I swung bad, but because I swung good. I know that sounds complicated, but that's the virtues of custom fitting. Anyway, so all of this stuff is it, it's we're going to talk about in greater detail as we march closer and closer to the PJ Merchandise Show. We've, we're already reaching out to all of the manufacturers about getting them on the show that week. How many, Dom, what are we up to right now in terms of how many different manufacturers, different product areas are going to be joining us? Oh, I hate I hate f- when you force me to give you a number because I, the number because I know it's, it's an ongoing thing. Whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna say right now. right now. I think it's around fifteen. Ooh, perfect. And it's everybody. All you, you, whatever whatever information that you're looking for in terms of who the biggie, what the biggies are coming out with, and where it fits, and how and why. That's exactly what we're going to be doing. Cannot wait. Thank you so much for your company today on this Monday, folks. Always a delight to share the world of golf with you and to share this seat and microphone with all of you from around the United States, from around the world. Have a great Monday. Have a great week. Be careful out there. We'll be back with you again tomorrow for Spare. Till then, goodbye for now.